Father, we give you thanks for today. We thank you that you are a good father. Even during times or seasons where we're not quite sure what you're doing and why things are happening or aren't happening, you are good and we hold on to what we know about you because of what you've revealed. Father, we thank you for the moms that are represented in this room or online. We thank you for their impact. We pray you continue to give them wisdom, discernment, and strength. And we pray for those that today's a harder day, whether with a loss of a mom or wishing they could be or a loss of a child. Father, we pray your comfort. We pray that you would, you would show up in some very tangible way today that would leave them amazed with how truly good you really are. And now, God, as we dive into your word, I pray that you, would, that you would lead us and that you would speak to us. God, that you would comfort and convict whatever is necessary to make us like Jesus. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Speak to us as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. As I was prepping for this morning's message, the first question that came to my mind was this. Do you ever find yourself frustrated with God because he won't clearly tell you what he wants you to do? Anyone ever been there? So you just sit there and go, God, what do you want me to do? And like, God, I'll do whatever you want. It's like, if you, you, you know, you can do anything. I mean, you spoke light into existence. And so you could send me a text. You could, you could send a tweet. I'll even try to find the secret meaning in the tweet. I want to know what you want. And you've been there. It's like, God, I will do whatever you want. And it's, it's one thing to try to figure out God's will when it's like sin against non-sin. It's another thing when there's no sin involved and you've got two or three options and you're just going, I don't know which one I'm supposed to do. And so what if I pick the wrong one? Because if you pick the wrong one, it's all jacked up. The will of God is out the window. Is that really how it works? Guys, you realize that God wants us to know his will more than we want to know his will? Now think about it. We have a God, according to the scriptures and the scriptures, what they reveal to us, we have a God who reveals himself to us and he desires for us to know his will. Guys, I don't know of a whole lot of other gods other than the one that we follow according to the scriptures that wants us to know him and then really wants us to know what he wants. But I wonder if in our frustration we get a little bit, we miss the point See, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Notice everything starts. If you want to see transformation happen in your life, it starts with the renewal of your mind. Not your habits, but with your mind. You ever notice January 1st? You're ready. Ready to take on the health thing, right? This is the time you're going you're gonna to grow abs on your neck. I mean, it's going to get awesome. You're just going to be one huge ab all over the place. January 1st, you're ready to go. You've even changed some habits, right? So instead of breakfast with Doritos and a donut, you're only having a donut. So I mean, <laughs> so you're, st- <laughs> you're starting slowly. You're going slower. So you had these habits, but did you change your mindset? See, it starts with the mindset. That if you change your mind, the habits will follow. You try to just change habits, but your, ni- your mind's not involved Nothing really changes from there. And so by January 5th, it's like, nah, the bed's warm and I'm not going to a cold gym. The renewal of your mind, that's where he starts with, the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. That by testing. So friends, if you've ever been to the point where you're going, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Welcome to the party. It's by testing. It's by figuring it out. 
It's by going through the process. You say, well, why doesn't he just, I, why doesn't he just tell me? Because I make sure that people know what I want them to do. I'm much more direct with people than God is with me. But here's the thing. Now you have to ask the motivation behind why it is that you're actually saying something or sharing something with someone else. Is it just so that they'll know what you're thinking and that they'll do the right thing of what you're telling them to do? Or is it something deeper as to why it is that you're actually expressing yourself? Goes on the, go on with the verse. That by testing you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I think those three words define or describe the will of God. That the will of God is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. But do we agree with that? You ever notice we believe in God's blessing? In fact, I'll just, just by a show of hands, how many believe that God still blesses us? He, God wants to bless us. How about, do you still believe it when it doesn't wrapped in a nice little present? Doesn't have a cute little bow? Guys, if you're in the Bible reading plan this week, do you realize, and we'll get to a couple of these verses in a second, in Psalm 119, do you realize that David at one point says, hey, it was good that you afflicted me. It was for my good that you afflicted me. And when that happens, God is still being good. And isn't that hard to hold on to? Because we would never. And friends, when all of a sudden I start to say those statements, I would never then I become the standard of what's good. Friends, I am not the standard of good. For I am not good in and of myself. Only God is good and therefore the one who is truly good is the one who defines good. So his will is good and acceptable and perfect. So what if, back to that question, we get frustrated about not knowing the will of God. What if there's a greater purpose that God desires for us in trying to figure out his will? I wrote this down. Do you think that maybe God's will includes seeing us actually seek him more instead of just checking things off of a list? Do you ever wonder if maybe God's will has less to do with, hey, make sure you do these 14 things today? Because for some of you, this is your mindset. When I say, hey, God has 14 things for you to do today, man, you pull out your pen, you got your book, you're ready to go. Adrian, right? So Adrian's got her book and she's ready to put down some list of stuff. This, get these things done. And then the others are sitting there going, I don't even know what a checkbox check is. What do you mean a checkbox? That you actually have tasks that you accomplish? So if God just tells me the 14 things, that's all I want. But what if God's sitting there going, I want something so much more. That in the end of it, I don't want you to just do things for me. I want you to be about me. When we first started this campus five, over five years ago, I was going through the... My mind was all over the place. I wish I could sit there and go, I am so confident in every decision that I make. Oh gosh, no. I'm asking people constantly, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? But then in my quiet times, I feel like, okay, the longer I walk with Jesus, this was my mindset. The longer I walk with Jesus, the easier this should get. The less I should struggle with sin and temptation. What I'm starting to realize is the more that I walk with Jesus, the deeper Jesus will go. The Holy Spirit will go deeper into my soul and bring up the things that I'm ignoring and making me much more sensitive to sin. So when I feel like I'm failing, God's actually digging some things up because I'm, he's actually doing a pretty sweet work in me. But I was so frustrated. And so I remember in a quiet time, I was just sitting there in my office and I was just reading through and I was just writing things down in my journal. And I was like, God, I don't get it. Like... I just feel like I'm, I'm following you, I'm seeking you, I'm in the word more than I've ever been, I'm praying, I feel like we are tight, but I don't feel like I've ever struggled this much. 
I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm failing more than succeeding. And, and all of a sudden, this thought popped in my head. And I, I'm very... I'm very slow to say, and God spoke to me, because I think that gets pretty arrogant for some people to overly use that. But this thought came to my mind, and I believe it to be the Lord, and, and this thought was this. Have you sought me more than you ever have in your life? And I started answering, absolutely. I mean, that's all I'm doing. I'm constantly, because I want to know what to do to fix this. But I've sought you more than ever. And one, this last thought, was this, then stop questioning my process. And that was it. Silent, right after that. And I went, write that down. <laughs> I wrote that down and I went, God, you're good. Because if it's at some point you had to dig things up in me and to quote unquote afflict me that I might actually seek you more than I ever have, then to you be the glory. Do you think that maybe God has something more for us than just getting stuff done? Think about it. What are we going to do for God that God couldn't do for himself? Where he's sitting there going, I just don't know what to do about this. I better call Brian. And if he doesn't do it, it's all going to fall apart. Friends, he, cre- he created the universe by speaking it into existence. What am I going to add? Nothing. And so what if the, one of the priorities, if not the priority of God's will is that we would know him? Be with him, long for him, seek him. But have some of you missed that because all you're trying to do is just check off some boxes. When I thought through that, I thought, man, that is, that's kind of life-giving. It's freeing that maybe God isn't the taskmaster that so many have made him out to be. Those few verses that I kind of mentioned to Psalm 119, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Psalm 119, verse 107, I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Here's David. Remember, he's the one who's after God's own heart. He's the one anointed king. And then he's the guy that for 15 years ran for his life because Saul wanted to kill him. All because Saul heard some song that made him jealous because more credit was given to David for the slain of the enemies than, than Saul had. And Saul was worried. So here's the, can you imagine being a 15-year-old kid? Taking on Goliath, jacking him up. And then for the next 15 years after you're anointed, you're running for your life. And in those 15 years, God developed David into the man that he would become as the king. He had to take a shepherd boy and prepare him. To become what it is that he wanted him to become 15 years later. And he was doing it in the process of what happened in year three and year four and year five. And I want to encourage you that the will of God is not sitting there going, okay, now it's part of the will of God. Now it's not. Now God's working. Now he isn't. Friends, God is always at work. God is always working things. And he's already worked them all out. Friends, we can trust him in the midst of this. So believe it or not, I have four points. Whenever I get points, I just feel like a grown-up pastor. Like I finally, like I finally arrived. Like I, get, I could go into a preaching class and say, this is how you do it. Can't do it now because I don't usually get four points. But today, Mother's Day, for you. Ready? There's four things about the will of God. I think that this passage teaches. I don't think that this is, this is all. I don't believe that this is all talking. This, like this is comprehensive of understanding the will of God. I think there's four things that are mentioned about the will of God in this passage. The first is this. The will of God is knowable but dependent on God's revelation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard, 
We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. And that word filled means amply supplied or overflowing, more than enough. But it also can, be, it also can mean this idea of being controlled by. And so when Paul is saying, asking that you may be filled, have ample supply, or be controlled by the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what's he say from the day we heard? We go back to verse 4. Verse 4, he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for the saints. Guys, this is what I think that we should be going after. If we could be known for anything, may it be this. I would say that before we started this campus, I'd say six, seven, eight years ago, the thing that I wanted to be known more, known more for is, man, that boy can preach. And I wanted to get invited everywhere to get to preach, but it was about being a preacher. And God said to break and mold and change me and do a whole lot of work in me so that what do I want first and foremost? Oh, I pray that people can see that there's this faith that I have in Jesus and the way that I love people. Oh, I pray that it stands out. But does anyone else feel, gosh, I feel like I fall short on that second part. When I look at this, And realize that God desires for us to know his will. But it is all dependent on him revealing it to us, not us just discovering it on our own. Guys, it is so important. Why? Because now God's involved and we're involved with him. It's interaction with him. So from the first day we heard of your faith in Jesus, your love for the saints. And then Paul prays three things. The first about his prayer, the first description is this. He prayed faithfully. Watch this. We have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. Guys, we got some prayer warriors in our community that are amazing. I'm not naturally drawn in that direction. I confess that, and yet I feel like I've grown, but that's not my natural go-to. The thing that I've been learning and being confronted with over the last few weeks is how often in the beginning of David's becoming king where he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Then you get to chapter 11 where he kind of messed up big time. At no point did he inquire of the Lord there. And so I've been, and he he inquired about everything. And so I've been trying to apply that. I mean, it's something as, as small as, God, what do you want me to have for lunch today? You said, I go, what does he care? I, I don't know, but doesn't it seem better to get in that habit of asking about everything rather than forgetting to ask him about anything? And so I've just been so convicted. Going, I want to be that person who's inquiring of the Lord. But when we bring things up to pray here, are we still praying for Ukraine? Or is it something that's kind of off the wayside? Guys, you realize the news about Ukraine kind of went to the side because Will Smith smacked some dude in the face. When that happened, we forgot about a multitude of people who were going through some horrific things because we couldn't get our faces off the TV of watching some grown man go up and smack another grown man. Do we hurt for the things that we continue to pray for? And so something that I've done, and guys, I'm, I'm with you. For those who say, I kind of struggle with remembering, me too. And so what I've done is I have this prayer journal now. And I have it on my computer, and so when I start a new journal where I'm going to start typing things out to God, my prayer, my confessions to God, it also says prayer journal, so I can click on that and I can go through the prayer requests that people have shared with me. And I can pray for those and check in, and it's something practical, but do we pray this way? Or, do we, or have you ever done this? And maybe I want to ask you to raise your hand, because it's kind of convicting. You ever had somebody come up and say, hey, could you pray for me? And then they tell you, and then you forget don't raise your hand. 
Me too. And then when they come up a few weeks later and they go, I just want to thank you for praying for me. And then they go so far to say this, I could just really feel that you were praying for me. Has anyone been here there? You been there? Oh, it's And so what do you do? You lie. <laughs> right? Don't judge me. Because as they say that, I want to thank you that you prayed for me. I'm like, oh, in my mind, I'm praying for him now. Praying for him now. God, I pray that you'd go back in time. And I pray that you would interact and work. As they're talking, and then I can really feel that you're praying for me. I was, right then. I was praying for you. And God is beyond time, so we're set. Could you pray for me? And maybe when people say that, we should just do it right then. It's like, oh, but won't they think that we're some of those whack job Christians if we actually stop and pray? Yes. And shouldn't we be okay with that? Guys, the most powerful thing that we can do is to pray for each other. That's the most powerful thing, right? Because we're going to the God who's limitless in power. So we see him pray. He prayed faithfully. He also prayed selflessly. He said this, asking that you may be filled. How's that selfless? Well, remember that Paul's in prison. He doesn't say, well, first, let me tell you what's going on with me. He's like, I've been, I'm just praying that you will be filled. He doesn't say, hey, I'll do this, but you pray that I get released. It just doesn't seem like that is at the forefront. And yet you'll see Paul in different places say, hey, pray that I could be released so that I can. And it's always connected back to the ministry. But you notice he's praying selflessly. The third thing is he prayed specifically. He said, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Guys, do I pray like this? Like to pray for other people. God, I pray you'd fill them with the knowledge, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do I pray like that for people? Do I even pray that for myself? Or am I just merely praying for the immediate things right now? God, right now, my lower back is hurting. Would you take care of that? And guys, there's nothing wrong with praying those things. There's nothing wrong. I think we should pray for everyone's healing all the time. But there's so much more to prayer than just the list. That I'm convinced that if my time with the Lord is just a list of, a list of topics or things that he needs to do, then maybe I'm still living in the checkbox. And I've forgotten that he just really wants to hear my heart. My challenge to you is this. For those of you that maybe struggle with prayer, and, um, and I've done this with our D group before and D, D groups in the past and home church, like what if in our prayer time this time we don't ask for anything, we just tell God how great he is? Let's just tell him how great he is and why he's so great. And just go with that and see what happens. It's not like if I don't talk about this, then it's not going to happen. God's got that. But sometimes, isn't it just great to be encouraged? And yet God doesn't need our encouragement, but he sure loves it. And so just, when I looked at the way he prayed, I thought, God, may I pray this same way? May I pray faithfully, selflessly, and specifically? And then go back to that phrase again, the knowledge of his will and all spiritual Wisdom and understanding. See, Paul's using the verbiage of that day. Remember, he's writing to a bunch of Christians in Colossae. And there are these false teachers that have, gone, have come into the, the village or the city, the small little town. And they've started this new quote-unquote religion. And so they're taking a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Jewish legalism, a little bit of Eastern uh, philosophy and paganism and astrology and then some mysticism and asceticism, which just self-denial, put it all together and created this thing and still put Jesus on it with a little bow. You should go, I'm so thankful that doesn't happen today. Guys, it happens constantly today. 
Guys, I brought this up before. Anytime we have to stick a descriptive before the word Christian, we might be guilty of doing the same thing. This is what we should be, Christ followers. When I look in the pages of the scriptures and go, okay, so me spending time with God in the word, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna embolden me, it's gonna grow me, I'm gonna learn the things of God, I'm gonna go deeper. I wanna be obedient to the scriptures because this is God's revelation. I shouldn't need a descriptive outside of a Christ follower. It's when I put a descriptive in front of it that all of a sudden I wanna change the meaning of what it means to follow Christ to meet my preferences rather than simply being obedient to what it is that God has revealed in his word and to follow the best that we can instead of saying, but I'm this type of Christian. Let's just be Christ followers. So he's, he's addressing this and this idea of spiritual wisdom. This is the knowledge of the first principles, which pretty much is this, the core doctrines of the faith. He's like, I want you to grow in this spiritual wisdom, but also being controlled by the spirit. I want you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit Who's got more of a charismatic, for, for those who have been brought up in the church, who has a little bit more of a charismatic background? Anybody? A little bit, a little, it's weird. Usually the hands go up a little higher than that. On the charismatic people, are like, yeah, they're all ready to go. How many of you aren't? A lot more conservative. Not, a little more conservative, didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit in your church when you were growing up. Anybody? Yeah. So for those of you that are more charismatic, the Holy Spirit is talked about all the time. You go into the worship service, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, constantly brought up. More conservative churches, we don't talk about them. We don't even invite them into anything. And here comes Paul going, I want you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Like all day, every day, we should be asking, Holy Spirit, what do you want? Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, lead this. He is the third person of the Trinity. And yet so neglected. And yet, Please understand, he's not insecure. He's not sitting there going, how come you only talk to the Father? How come it's always about Jesus? He's not insecure. But we have the Holy Spirit in us. Why not interact with him? So he says, I want you to grow in that. Then this concept of understanding. That word understanding, it's, the Greeks described it as what's called critical knowledge. In other words, taking what you know about the things that are true, the doctrines, and then living them out. That's what the understanding part is like wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and do great things or good things with them, with the information that you have. So here's Paul. He's saying, I want you to know things about God, and then I want you to be able to live them out in life among people. So I wrote this in my, in my notes. The will of God is supposed to be lived out in real life instead of merely thought through in one's mind and imagination. So for those, there are people, and maybe you're someone... You love, you love getting into the deep things of the scriptures. And don't ever lose that. Love that. But if that's all that you do, you are deep, man. You are going like 22 hours a day, sleeping for 20 minutes, getting, some, getting, a, getting a snack, and then back at it. But you're never loving a person. You're never helping the oppressed. You're never out living it out. In fact, maybe it leads you more to debating with other Christians rather than engaging a world that so desperately needs Jesus. This is where Paul would say, man, I'm so blown away by the fact that you want to know these deep truths, but you gotta get off your duff and get out into the world so that the people who need Jesus can see the difference that Jesus makes. In church, I gotta be honest, the world will see that 
Jesus makes a difference when we, the church, are making a difference by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. May this statement never describe any of us as followers of Jesus. They are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. May that never be something. It's like, wow, they really have some great spiritual ideas, but they suck at work. Like they can't do anything well. Friends, may we be known for, yeah, we, maybe we believe some weird things to some people, but goodness gracious, those Christians get some things done. Man, they take care of people. They know how to apply their faith. Guys, faith that's not seen is not faith. That's a belief, but it's not faith. So if you take the book of Colossians, like the first two chapters, what do we believe? The next two chapters, this is how you live it out. So as we continue to go through the book of Colossians, just remember that the first couple chapters, a lot of our doctrine, a lot of our key beliefs, the second half, this is how we're going to play it out. This is what it's going to look like as we do it. So we looked at that first one, what the will of God does. The second one is this, the will of God requires obedience. The will of God inquires, I'm sorry, requires obedience. Look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. First of all, stop there. So as to walk, to walk. Does anyone here struggle with patience? Oh, oh, and you guys are honest. I'm so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. You struggle with patience. Here's the thing. Yesterday, I was going to fix something. That was the plan. And it didn't happen. We switched security, home security systems. And this was, this was one where you kind of put it in yourself. I like, I can do this. I did everything except the doorbell. But I was like, it's two wires. I'm a man. I can do this. And so I even, they give you directions. No joke. And I followed them. I had everything red. All the, well, I hope the wires were in the right spot. I don't know, but I thought they were. And I tightened one screw down just to make sure that it was tight around that, that wire. Because have you ever, has anyone done electrical and you're just worried that your house is going to burn down? Because it was you that did it. Constantly. So this one, I'm like, I hope I did this right. I hope this is right. So I'm cranking it down. Like, I did this right. And I cranked one too hard. And the, the head of the, the screw popped out. I was like, well, that can't be good. But I didn't know. I just thought it was a really small screw. I was like, oh, so I, I broke it. Guys, I don't like things unfinished. If you come to my house right now, if there's an electrician, come to my house and fix it. But here's the thing. <laughs> when you come to my house, there's, a, there's, a, there's blue tape. I, I put wire ends on the ends so that it wouldn't, like, when people come, it wouldn't shock them. But... So I put, I, you're safe if you come over, but then there's blue tape over so nobody does anything with them. Guys, every time, like I left this morning, you know that blue tape? You know what it screamed out to me? Failure. I'll show up again. There it is again. I can't fix it. They have to mail me a new part because I broke it. How, how, how depressing is that? Uh, <laughs> I know 97% of people can do that. I'm the 3%. I want it done quick. And it's a walk. For those that, I'm going to sprint my way. It's a walk. Learn to walk. Learn to stroll. Learn to enjoy the stroll. But to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Guys, it's about God. And what's worthy of the Lord? Fully pleasing to Him. That means my main priority is not to make sure that I'm pleased with everything I get to do. But fully pleasing to him, no matter what. It's all about him. 
Will this thought bring glory and pleasure to God? Will this word bring glory and pleasure to God? Will this deed bring glory and pleasure to God? You sit there and go, but that just sounds like legalism. Not if the heart behind it is a desire to worship and love the God who adores me and who adores you. It's different. This isn't legalism to appease him. This is love to worship and adore him. So that means there's some sin. Maybe you got to confess and repent from. Where is it? The pages of scripture reveal. If you have the Holy Spirit, he's convicting you. And for some of you, maybe you've been trying to ignore that. And promise you this, he will not relent. He will not stop. If you belong to him, he will make sure the conviction gets harder and harder and deeper and heavier until all of a sudden you confess, repent, come back. And he goes, there you are. Why would he do it? Because he loves us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not, it's not just anger. I can anger him, but he's always good. He's always loving, and he'll convict for my good. He said, I go, I know people that don't know the Lord, and what, they just seem to go further and further and further. We were talking about this in my D group this morning. So what's he doing? He's letting them go toward their sin. For what purpose? That he could show his kindness that they would come to repentance. At some point, they hit rock bottom, and they turn to God, and they go, I don't know what else to do. And he goes, there you are. But we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. In other words, we live out our faith. We live it out. We're supposed to be doing things while increasing in the knowledge of God. And this is where you have to make sure this, not balance, but we're, we're living in both of them. But yeah, I want, I want to do good things. For some of you, you just love to, to serve. You want to serve people. You want to serve and do all these things. Keep going, but not at the expense of the knowledge of God, knowing him better and what he's called you to know. And some of you love the knowledge part, but you just struggle with the service part. We need to grow in both of these, not at the expense of the other. But increasing in the knowledge of God. The third thing about the will of God is this. The will of God requires sustained faithfulness no matter what. Colossians 1 verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. When you hear these two words, how many just have your heart just want to sink? Endurance, patience. Anybody sit there and go, I don't want those. Because what's it mean? It's going to hurt. And I'm going to get frustrated. Joy? Yeah. Yes, that's the one I want, but not the other two. Because at some point we actually believe the lie. The God's whole purpose in his own existence is to make sure that we're as comfortable as possible by the time that we meet him. That is not it. Because if it is, he sucks at his job. If his job, if his main goal is that I'm happy all day, every day, he's really bad at his job. But if his, if his goal for me is that I become as much like, look like Jesus in the way that I live, that means it's not always going to be comfortable. And since it's not always going to be comfortable, what's, what do we need? We need endurance. And we need patience. Guys, that word endurance means it's connected. The word endurance is connected to being able to sustain any circumstance. But the word patience is to be able to what? Endure every person. Uh-oh. Some of you guys, I love all the people in my life. What about the people that aren't in your life? No, that's why they're not in my life. <laughs> I mean, can we be honest? It's like, well, I, I don't like that person, so boom, I'm out. Isn't it great? We can, we can friend everyone on social media, but once you're done, unfriend, unfollow, whoo, I'm free. 
Guys, it's the, it's the call of every Christian, every follower of Christ, to love people as Jesus does, not just as he did, but to love him, to love people as he does. Friends, the only way that I can actually love like Jesus loves is to be filled by the Holy Spirit who will enable me to do so. Guys, you know, this is going to be so weird. I don't know if I should say this in front. Guys, I love being a pastor. But sometimes people bug me. Now, don't sit there and go, am I one of them? Don't ask. <laughs> but don't you, I mean, no, you're not. But, like, don't you just, uh, the introverts, do you get me? Like, at some point, like, I just want to be away from every soul on the planet. And unless I do, I will hurt you. It's like ministry would be so easy. I've heard this for years. I didn't make this up. Ministry would be so easy if it weren't for people. But I'm like, but then there's no ministry. You're sitting there by yourself pretending like you're getting something done. Guys, it's, it's easy to love the lovable. It's when we love those who are difficult that we're actually loving like Jesus. It's when we love those who are opposite us, different than us, hate us, hate everything that we're about, hate Jesus. It's when we love them well that we're loving like Jesus. To love those who love me in return, that's easy. Even Jesus is the one who said that. But to love those who persecute, to love those who oppress, to love those who look at you and they want to degrade you in everything, love them in return. Love them. Don't fight them. Love them. To the glory of Jesus. So I need endurance. We need endurance and we need patience and we trust God with joy. Joy, happiness. He said, is it it the same? No. Why? Because happiness is always dependent upon a circumstance, true? Guys, if something jacked up happens today for you, something really horrible, you're not going to be happy. But we've all gone through something that's difficult that in the midst of it, we can still have hope. And there can still be this concept of quote unquote happiness or joy Guys, some places that I've laughed the most are in a hospital room next to a person who's dying in their bed as I'm laughing with the family of believers. Not because we're heartless, but because I believe the Holy Spirit's doing something. That this is so difficult, but yes, we're crying over here because it's so painful and then there's these tears of joy coming down our faces. Guys, that's where the hope comes from. That's joy. And so I read this statement, I think sums that up. Make me, O Lord, victorious over every circumstance. Make me patient with every person and give me the joy which no circumstance and no one will ever take from me. Make that our prayer. And then the last thing about the will of God. The will of God should leave us amazed. Look at verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Why, why would that be the topic that, hey, it should, it should leave us amazed? Guys, he's just explaining once again the gospel. It's like you can't get it out of Paul. He's already mentioned this in the passage we looked at last week and then he's mentioning it again. What has God done? <clears throat> Look at what he did. He qualified us. He qualified us. Guys, We did all the wrong. We screwed up and he qualifies us, which means I wasn't qualified. I couldn't qualify myself and I'm not qualified. But God qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then he delivered us from the domain of darkness. And then he transfers us into the the kingdom of light. Do you see how he gives all credit to God? 
Guys, here's what I offer God. This is what I can offer God. This. And I get him. Like I get, he gets this. Like the inheritance of the saints, that's his inheritance, us. And I get him. And you realize that God wouldn't have it any other way. Where I see all my faults and failures, God sees someone worth going after. God sees one whose Jesus was willing to die for me and die for you. And he died for the imperfect versions of us, not the perfected ones. And when he called me to know him, I was rebellious and enemy toward him. An enemy of the cross, and he still came, and he still did all, calls me into relationship. Guys, it's mind-blowing. He did everything. We broke it. He fixed it. That should leave us amazed. Because he could have just left us alone, but he didn't. So as the worship team comes back up, I just want to read this out of the message. Eugene Peterson wrote his own, uh, his own translation of the scriptures, which is pretty, pretty rad. Guys, he's pretty brilliant. I mean, I, I, I look at it more like a commentary rather than scripture because I like translations that have a lot of people that are involved in the process. But can you imagine the kind of Bible, if I tried to do this, what would be on that page? The word jacked up would be up there a lot. The word suck would be in it a lot. I, I just don't know what else I would say, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't sound this good. When I read this, I'm like, man, this might sum up everything that we're looking at today. And some of those of you that are impatient, you said, why don't you just start with that? We could have been out of here a lot longer. Okay, but here we go. Philippians chapter two, verses 12 to 16, according to the message. It says, what I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. No bickering, no bickering. One more time, no bickering. (laughs) Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse, watch this, this is the line. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Woo, that's the one right there. That's the money. The bank just broke on that statement. Provide people with a glimpse of good living And of the living God. Why is good living so important? Friends, if I walk up to somebody and say something like, you need to to surrender your life to Christ. And my life is worse. There's nothing. Like, my family's in shambles. Everything I say I'm about, I'm not. I'm a liar. I'm a hypocrite. I say God says this, and I'm doing the complete opposite. But then I say, you should join this. You should join this. My life doesn't follow what I'm preaching, so why would they sit there and go, you're right, I need a more jacked up life than I've already got. I want to be more like you. And this isn't, it's not be fake, it's, let's be, let's be followers of Jesus. And let's be real and raw and honest and work toward what? Perfection? 
No. But let's learn to live lives that are honoring to the Lord, fully worthy of the Lord. So I'll finish up. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Can I pray for you? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for each person here, whether in person or online, or if they're listening later. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them with a knowledge you they would have this spiritual understanding that far out far outweighs anything that they thought they could ever have with you father i pray that they would be consumed by you father i pray that their times with you would be deep and joyful Father, I pray that you would fill them with understanding so that the things that you revealed to them in their times with you, Father, that they would live those out well among people, not fake, but they would live and do good things all the while with a desire that you would receive all glory. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring comfort. I pray that you would bring peace. Father, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, fill with passion and boldness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would consume us with grace and mercy. Father, for those who may be here that don't have a relationship with you, I pray that they at least saw a difference in us today. And I pray that it would, it would pique their interest and they would begin the journey of really seeking after you. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint us for your purposes and for your glory. And may you be pleased in everything that we do as you lead us on the mission that you've called us to be in. As we sing this last song to you, God, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says, amen.